Hi everybody, my name is Nick Beard. I'm the audiovisual director here at Peninsula Covenant Church, or PCC. Welcome to our message podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, everybody. You've been asked a, a good question this morning. A good question. I'm Brian Wren, one of your pastors. It's a joy to be with you. Welcome to the heart of summer. And I hope that you're enjoying this series uh, called The Greatest Stories Ever Told. And today is just this potent little story with a few lines that I hope marks your soul and does a work of God uh, within you. We begin with a question today. You just had a question, but I'm going to give you another one to ponder. This one you can think unto yourself. Have you ever underestimated the impact something or someone can have on you? So have you ever underestimated, I see some nodding. Uh, have you ever underestimated the impact that something or someone can have on you? It's easy to do, isn't it? Uh, it's really easy to do. In our personal or in our human way, it's so easy for us to make an early judgment and stay with our agenda when there was so much more for us or miss out the point in some way. When I think of the something, I think of this story in my own life. I was once with a friend, and this is back in the 90s after I'd gotten to California, and he brought me some food one day to my office, and we were just talking, enjoying something, and then I took a big swipe of this green stuff. <laughs> and, and we're just talking, and, uh, and when I took the big swipe and put it in, he looked at me and went like this, and I was like, and then all of a sudden, I could feel this internal impact that it was having. And then it started to have this external impact. It was like someone was dousing me with water, but I was sweating. It was just, I mean, pouring out of me. And I'm looking at him like, Whoa, my mouth is full. Like, what, what was that? And, and, and then I could feel the external impact coming. And it, I could feel it brewing, and I'm looking for some garbage can because there's this jet-fueled, rocket-propelled thing because we'd been eating food for about five, ten minutes prior, and then I took the big scoop of that, and, and all of a sudden, it just, the external movement occurred. No. <laughs> Fortunately, there was a garbage can. And he says to me, you didn't know that was wasabi? And I say, what's Wasabi? Sometimes there's these things that have very, very big impact uh, that we don't realize. We don't realize. We underestimate. My friend Jim's another example of that. Jim was a friend who uh, I had met uh, probably five years before I really started to get to know him. And I was a 30-something arrogant, judgmental individual. I'm still working through that uh, two decades later. And... Uh, the reality was is that uh, Jim uh, and I were different people. He was 25 years older than me, or about to, almost 25 years older than me. Um, and I judged him for his style. I judged him back then for uh, the size church he had compared to the size of church I was at, blah, 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 blah. It was just miserable. And um, the reality is I didn't spend much time with Jim. But I knew Jim, but I didn't spend any time with him. I didn't really know Jim 
or the impact he could have. So fast forward, I go through this process for my ordination, which is ordination in the covenant denomination is you walk through these steps of classes over a series of years and interviews, and then you write this final paper, and then they say, you're finished, we will ordain you. You've completed the the ordination process. Well, I go to hand in my ordination paper in front of a whole bunch of people uh, aboard one day down in LA, and they say to me, your paper's not very good. It doesn't have this. Do you really understand these things about the covenant? Your theology is kind of weak on this. They're pretty much saying, right now, you're not qualified to be a pastor that way. I was, took that very personally, took that the wrong way, didn't handle it well. And as I'm walking out, one person says to me, did you have anybody like a mentor help you with that paper? And in my prideful, selfish way, I hadn't, you know. And someone says, there's this guy named Jim who lives up in your area that maybe you should go spend some time with. So the reality is I called up Jim. Fortunately, he didn't know how much I judged him, so he was willing to hang out with me. (laughs) And Jim carried me for the next year. I had a lot of anger that I'd been not received uh, in that way. I thought my experience should have been worth more than my paper, blah, 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 blah. But in the end, that year with Jim was beautiful. I needed that year. He helped me write my paper. He helped me get through the ordination process. What's funny, I would have never bumped into Carlos DeVitas, uh, and he probably might not be here uh, as one of our pastors because I was supposed to be ordained in Minnesota, but I ended up getting ordained the next year in Grand Rapids, Minneapolis, and he and I had this rare God-divine appointment time. And what's more important was a year later I spent with Jim and a year after that in what was called spiritual direction, which is really just counseling with a spiritual emphasis. And Jim was my spiritual director. And he said to me one day, do you know about spiritual direction? And it was kind of like wasabi. No, what's spiritual direction? But it changed me from the inside out. For two years as I sat under Jim's tutelage and he was my director, he unpacked my soul. And he unpacked my soul in ways nobody ever had. And he taught me about grace. He said to me, Uh, Brian, you lack a lot of grace for yourself. God has more grace for you than you have for yourself. And that became this theme. I remember when I left Jim's office one day and I rear-ended my car in Route 85 into another car as I was leaving Jim's office. And he enabled me to write that. In the past, it would have been I failed, I screwed up. And instead it was, what's the grace that God has for me in the fact that I just rear-ended my car into somebody else? Even a car accident could be looked at differently because of the impact of one individual. It was interesting, recently I decided I wanted to go see Jim again. There was some stuff stirring. I wanted to just go talk to him about church stuff and church leadership. And so I called him up and then we got a date on the calendar and uh, we've been exchanging emails. And so we agreed that it was the first Tuesday after in Easter that we would get together for lunch. And the reality was uh, I got caught up my own agenda and my own schedule and I blew him off and uh, the day of, I said, Jim, I can't make it today. Let's, uh, let's go May 1st. May 1st was my next opening on a Tuesday, I think. And um, Jim died April 16th. I never had lunch with Jim. I missed out on what more God potentially had for me because I got caught up my own agenda again. is it interesting. Caught up my own agenda, meet Jim, go on and do my life. Want to connect with Jim again, get caught off my own agenda, miss Jim. Interesting. There's a lot of grace for that, but boy, there's a lot of learning. One thing comes to mind is this. Don't cancel an appointment for lunch with a man who has cancer. 
Second thing is don't underestimate the power that an individual, an experience, or something will have in your life in the way that God wants to use it. Because that's exactly where we find the context of the passage today. The passage are these four little lines, but the reality is the story right before it is this. There's a synagogue leader that missed it. He missed it. There's a synagogue leader that has Jesus in his presence and doing a healing of a woman who had been crippled for 18 years. And the synagogue leader is stuck on his agenda. Hey, this is the Sabbath. What are you doing? His man-made rules are in the way. It's interesting, I find it's not always the man-made rules that get in the way of me seeing the kingdom of God moving or wanting to move in me. And see if you can relate to these. Sometimes what gets in the way is just ignorance. You don't realize that there is this kingdom that has come to earth and it's this other realm besides this earthly realm and there's this whole other way to live. That might have been the first time it's ever just been explained to you like that. That there's this kingdom. There are two realms on earth. There's the earthly realm to live into or there's this kingdom realm. I grew up Catholic and I have a lot of um, appreciation for my Catholic upbringing because my Catholic upbringing helped me believe there was a God. The aura, the smells, the bells. There was just something about that that went, there's a God. Do you believe, Brian? Yes, I believe. Now, following Jesus, I missed that part. My sister says, yeah, you missed it. We were in the same place. They did tell us to follow Jesus, but you missed it. And I was like, you're probably right. I was caught up in other things. And the Protestant church really helped me to understand what it means to follow Jesus. And the Protestant church really helped me understand that there's this kingdom realm that came down when Jesus was brought to earth and entered the earth. And then that seed that was planted, spread by way of the Holy Spirit and gave all of us who believe in that seed, Jesus, eyes to see things in an entirely different way. Entirely different way. But some of us are ignorant that that is even true. But I know this. I know that's true because that ignorance helps me to operate in a completely different way. But what is it for you? Is, it, is there an ignorance about the kingdom of God and the realm of earth existing together? Is there a disappointment that God has let you down and you're like, he's not really that powerful and he can't be that extraordinary? Or is there just a forgetfulness when you leave here, you get unfocused? Or is it you're prideful? Your pride gets in the way. I can handle this. Or is it you look at your homepage, as Gary always says, and you go, God's obviously not very powerful because in this kingdom thing that, Brian, you're proclaiming is like taking and moving on the earth, it doesn't seem that way because what I see on my homepage and on CNN, whatever you watch and look at, there seems to be a lot of destruction and brokenness. Or is it that you're just overly attached to your agenda? All these things seem to get in the way. It was the rules, actually, it was the rules of the religious leader that get in the way. So let's just stop right there. What gets in the way of you experiencing the kingdom of God externally and internally? Because the reality is this, and it's our big idea today. It's what I want you to walk away with. The big idea is the kingdom of God has extraordinary impact, both internally and externally. And this is what this passage is trying to tell us because Jesus is so crazy sometimes how he deals with people, not directly, 
Like, why wouldn't he say to the synagogue leader, hey, you're too caught up in the rules. Do you realize the kingdom of God has come to earth? I am the manifestation of that. And do you realize you're not getting it? This woman was crippled and healed after 18 years. You're missing the point. But no, he turns it into two questions, <laughs> all right? And this is what he says. Look at the first. He says, what is the kingdom of God like that I should compare it to? It's like a mustard seed which a man took and planted in his garden. It grew and became a tree, and the birds perched in its branches. Again, he asked, what shall I compare the kingdom of God to? It's like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked through all the dough. So Jesus explains what the kingdom is to this man. I just explained it in some sense, but let's make sure we really get it. Would you be able to explain what the kingdom of God is to somebody and to understand it yourself? Again, what is it? Simply put, you'll see it up on the screen. The kingdom of God is just the ways of God that have been made accessible to us. It is that simple. And it also has to do with God's ruling power on this earth that we can participate in. Now, that takes belief. Because if you say that to somebody in your office tomorrow who doesn't have that background, they'll look at you like, I think you're nuts. But that's where it takes belief. And the reality is the kingdom of God ushers in love, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control, mercy, forgiveness, grace. It ushers those in. While the kingdom of earth that is dueling with it, it doesn't. It's the opposite. We could say the kingdom of God is about two things. It's about including God and loving others. We could say the kingdom of earth is about me or you. I know, and I often say the same, am I playing kingdom or am I playing earth right now in any given circumstance? So I know I'm playing kingdom and trying to usher in the ways of the Lord when I go to the Go Ride Bicycle on El Camino down there when you almost get to the end of Redwood City, and I walk in, and I know the names of the guys in there, and I actually walk in with the intention to care about them and then wonder what God may do while I'm in there. Now, when I'm playing Earth, I walk in, and I don't know their names, nor have I ever learned their names, and what I do also is I'm totally skeptical that these guys are ripping me off and where can I get a better deal? And why can't somebody from PCC fix my kids' bikes? <laughs> Anybody relate to that? When I'm operating the kingdom of God, Bob and Mike matter to me. Tyler, I walk over to and I say to him, Tyler, man, sorry, you called me like 15 times to remind me this part's been in for three weeks. That must drive you nuts to call people like me 15 times. And we have a laugh conversation and chuckle together. And then I hang out with Bob and Mike, and Bob owns the place, and Mike's the manager. And we talk some more about bikes and other things in life. That's the kingdom of God. When I'm playing Earth, and it's 1130 at night, and my wife says to me, can you take the garbage out? The fish stinks from when you made dinner tonight. And my earthly thought is, hey, the rule in this house, because I'm operating like a synagogue leader at that point, the rule in our house is, if you cook, you do not clean up. And it's 1130 at night, and I'm going to bed. And we have many other people in this house that can walk up the steps and take the garbage out. And guess what I did Friday night? I went to bed and played earth. Isn't it interesting? 
I know God. I know it's about loving people, but I often don't play kingdom. God's yearning for us to play kingdom. I think the two things, questions we can keep in our minds to walk into any situation so we play more kingdom than earth is this, and try this out and tell me how it goes. God, are you with me? Ask that first question when you walk into any circumstance. That's actually more of a reminder than a question. God, are you with me? Easy answer. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, God, you're with me. Next question. God, is this about loving people right now? Yeah, yeah, it's about loving people. When I operate like that, I take kingdom approach wherever I go. When I don't operate like that, I take an earthly approach. It gets to be something else and usually about me, just like the synagogue leader. And if you look at this, the two similes that Jesus uses here, and they're not metaphors because of the word like, if you're caught up in the grammar uh, and the construct, but they're similes. And what he says that, oh, you don't get this. The kingdom of God is so much bigger than you even realize right now, synagogue leader. And let me tell you why. And he says the first one, it's a mustard seed. He said, it's like a mustard seed. And a mustard seed, in order to get a mustard seed uh, to be a pound, if you're looking to try to collect a pound of mustard seed, it's so small, you need 250,000 of them, okay? So he's bringing up a very insignificant thing to the synagogue leader and wanting them to realize it has, the kingdom of God is this potent. You just add a little bit of that, and it's going to what? Grow to this. Look at the picture. It's going to grow to a tree. Now, it's not... It's not a sequoia, okay? It's a 10-foot, 12-foot tree, maybe, at its best. But look what it does. It provides life. And this is what Jesus wants him to realize, that you're missing that I bring life externally. And look specifically what I believe this passage is telling us, that the kingdom of God has this extraordinary external impact that we sometimes forget is on the move for all those reasons. And it provides life in a new way, and it provides rest and refuge. Now, the synagogue leader would have known this. If you go back to the previous picture, in Ezekiel, Jesus is talking about a prophecy in Ezekiel that actually was brought up. And Ezekiel prophesies that Israel will be like a mustard seed that becomes a tree and brings life. And so that would have started the mess with the synagogue leader. Like, wait a minute, he's, pro- he's talking about prophecy coming true here. And it's the same with Daniel. And the reality is he's saying, yes, it brings a whole new way of life. Think of a tree. When it shows up, that tree brings life to that area, just like that. And that tree brings rest and refuge to things. That's how trees are. Think of the tree of life talked about in Genesis. I want you to go back with me now historically. Let's get out of like this ethereal world and go back to if Jesus had not come and his followers had not followed the trail of seeds, I want you to think of the historical impact that would have been very negative without his presence. Think of with regards to human rights over the years. All men and women in races created in the what? Image of God. That's a biblical concept. Human rights have come through the seed of Christianity. Think of the rights of children, pro-life movement, child labor laws, trying to get rid of human trafficking, schools that are established, social services for those who are disabled and have special needs, all came through the seeds of Christianity that came about part of, became part of that tree. How about what else is on the tree of life? Civil rights, the end of slavery. And we even had that wrong for a while. 
okay? But the end of slavery came through the Christian tree of life. How about healthcare? Most notable hospitals in the nation include Baptist, Methodist, and Presbyterian as part of their title. How about marriage and family issues? advocating for families. That comes through the Christian belief of the family. Science, free enterprise, arts. How about the government alone? The establishment of the government came from that tree. 50 of the 55 signers of the US Constitution were Christians. How about who shows up when it all goes down? It's Christian relief workers. Those People come, they become a tree of life. I want you to see the extraordinary impact that has happened throughout history because of this seed, and we've benefited from it. How about this visual? Look at these three visuals. These are very close to home stories. I just came from Hudson. 60 people decided to be a seed in Redwood City and plant. The other day, they had 130 people there. Do the numbers matter? They're a symptom of health. Today, there was obvious, the place was busting today. I don't know what it was. It was obviously over 100 people today. There's new life. When the principal down at Haas School, where they meet in the, in the multi-use room, uh, is so excited for the life that's there that when they helped out with the graduation party, he was announcing and telling people to come to church on Sunday. That's illegal. <laughs> that tree got so nutty down there that they're referring to it now. That's illegal. Look at the upper left picture. Refugees in Spain. But there's a kid that some of you may know, Jared Mejia. He's up in the center, a little bit to the right. Good-looking guy, 18 years old, grew up in this church, trying to figure out, is the kingdom of God real? Does the kingdom of God move externally and internally? His mom and dad tell him that all the time. He's supposed to believe it. He's a staff kid. Does he even have a choice, okay? I'm not even sure why he went on the trip, okay? You know, how much were the screws put to him? I don't know. You'd have to ask him. But what I do know, when he sat at my dinner table the other night and when I read his follow-up letter that I asked permission to share about, I said, you saw God move. And he said, yeah. I go, tell me about that. He said, I was supposed to go over and run a soccer camp for refugee kids. He's going on a full ride to play soccer at Pomona. Smart kid, good athlete. I was supposed to go over and run a, 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 a trip for a soccer camp for kids. Long and short, they get over there. The only kids they can find who are refugees, there, there's no kids who are refugees around their hostel. All they can find is Christian kids from the church. First few days, that's what he does. And he's kind of like ho-hum. Within a day or two, they realize there's a ship trying to get to Italy. They won't let the refugees come. They make it come to Spain. He looks out his window the next day, and there is a flood of refugees coming into his hostel off these vans. They're all his age. They all love soccer. He runs a soccer camp for refugee men his age. Some of them come to Christ. A few get baptized. They're only with him like three days, and then the Red Cross ships them right back out. Jared's like, that's crazy. That, I think I saw a movement of God in an external way. There's been other movements of God that are still happening because of a seed. Take, for example, Jimmy Carter. I'm realizing there's only like three other people in the world that like Jimmy Carter besides me. I'm a huge fan. Integral man, believes in the kingdom of God, was an actual president for a term. 
went on to promote peace like many others have not. In the end, Jimmy Carter in 1978 is with Deng Xiaoping, and they're trying to bring together China and U.S. relationships. And Deng Xiaoping says to him at the final closing dinner at the White House, uh, President Carter, you've been good to my people. What can I do for you? Jimmy Carter uh, right away turns to him and says, you can do three things for me. Let my missionaries back into China. Let Bibles be distributed. And let people worship freely in the churches uh, they can go to, including Christian. Deng Xiaoping looked at him and said, I'll give you my answer in the morning. The next morning, they have breakfast at the White House. Deng Xiaoping says, I have your answer. I'll give you two of your three things. I will let you distribute Bibles in China. I will let people worship freely, but I will not let your missionaries into my country because they change our culture. Think about it. Human rights, education, right to life, women's rights. Do you hear what I'm saying? He was willing to let some of the seeds of the kingdom of God in. Not the full thing. But when the seed gets in, it grows, right? In 2014, an analysis of experts on religion in China, they're projecting, this is back in 2014, by 2025, there'll be more Protestant worshipers in China than in the United States. The seed has grown since 1968. Right now, the largest the world's largest Bible publisher, Amity, is in China. The seed has grown and brought life. My question for you is twofold on this part. Where have you seen the kingdom of God expand? How have you seen it expand? Jared saw it. People at Hudson are experiencing it. We need, I think, our top three answers to this so that we believe it does and is moving. Do you have one? Would you put it in your phone right now? Would you write it down? Would you make this the conversation on the way home? Okay, honey, don't think I'm crazy. I think when this happened and these circumstances played out, that was the kingdom of God moving. It's okay if your spouse says, I'm not still sure I believe that there's a kingdom of God moving because have you seen the news, honey? God seems dead. Welcome to the tension and reality of the kingdom of God and earth competing. And will you be a a seed planter? Where is God stirring your heart for a kingdom-like thing, to stand up for a person, to stand up for a cause, to just step out in some way, <laughs> maybe to learn the people's names at Safeway, at your bike shop? Or is he calling you to bring the kingdom of God, the seeds of the kingdom of God? Remember, You won't see or want to experience the kingdom of God unless you're probably operating like this into every situation. God, are you with me? Yeah, I'm with you, Brian. (laughs) Remember, that's more a question for me than him. And God, it's about loving people. Yep, it's about loving people. Because I know this, Christianity has ruined me. Christianity has ruined me. Early on, it ruined me because everybody became a project. And then I just kept seeing needs. It's like I got these glasses that I got put on. I was like, can I take these off? It's too painful to look. I care too much. But then God has given me freedom over time. Like, bro, put the glasses on. There are certain things I want you to bring the kingdom to and certain people I want you to bring the kingdom to. Don't worry about everything. Just worry about what I put in front of you. Go ride bicycle. Bob and Mike. They're not a project. They're a human being. Bob owns a bike store. It's like 105 degrees in there sometimes. 
Bob, how's it feeling here today? It feels hot. How do you handle that, Bob? He's a human being. That's what God wants us to do. It's interesting. Jesus also says, I want it to have this external impact, but this kingdom will also have internal impact. The next line says, what shall I compare the kingdom of God to? It's like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until, underline this part, it worked through the whole dough. It worked through, excuse me, it worked all through the dough. 60 pounds is enough flour for 150 people. Have you ever gone on YouTube and see what yeast does if you just let it run wild? It's nuts. You add a little yeast and everything just, it's, it's like wasabi, okay? It just makes things grow and expand. Jesus is emphasizing here the kingdom of God wants to do a work externally. Remember, I just gave you the history of Christianity and how it's externally impacted folks. But it also wants to do a work internally in you. Will you let it? Or does your pride, your ignorance, your disappointment get in the way of all that? How about my lack of focus? Do you want to take the garbage out? No. Okay? I wouldn't let the yeast work there. And Jesus is saying here really two things about the yeast. Internally, this is what yeast does. It makes individuals come alive. It makes me have new eyes. Oh, my gosh, I can't believe I see it like that now. Oh, my gosh, I can't believe I care. And then it actually changes you. I let people borrow my stuff now. (laughs) That's a really subtle way. It's changed my view of money. It's changed my view of my body. I'm actually okay being a small, slim man. I always wanted to be a larger, bigger man my entire life. And then I meet larger, bigger men who just want to be slimmer men. And I'm like, we're just caught up in playing earth. You're meant to be large. I'm meant to be small. And can we accept that? Welcome to the kingdom of God. But isn't it amazing what earth does to our sizing issues? It's crazy. It's crazy. Look at this image. Because if you let the yeast into and through all the dough, it touches everything. It touches how you relate to people. Do you dispense grace and forgiveness? Where do you go with judgment and condemnation? It touches, again, your view of your own self, your own health, and what you do with your body and what you don't do with your body. It touches your career. Is it really a purpose and a calling? And is it the place that at my career I'm there to usher the kingdom of God in more than any place else because that's where I spend almost all my time? And it changes you when you go to the grocery store and the bike store. And then these resources I have, yeah, they're mine, but they're not really mine because God gave me breath and there I'm supposed to share these. That's what yeast does. I know this. It's not possible, and you'll never get the full effect of the yeast unless the catalytic agent of Jesus is believed in. Unless the catalytic of of Jesus is believed in, you're leavened bread. You're just leavened bread. It never rises. You might like the idea of Christianity. You might like the idea of humanism, which is just trying to be good, and moralism, but you will never fully rise because Jesus, you got to wrestle Jesus down the ground and go, do I believe in Jesus and what he has done through his death and resurrection on the cross? Because that's the catalytic agent that then ushers in the Holy Spirit and then the truth from the Bible and it all begins to rise. It's powerful and life-changing. 
And in a moment's notice, I can still live as I live on earth and not take the garbage out. Isn't it amazing and complex and so simple, but so difficult? It's wild. And it's such a wonderful journey to be on because he's with us and it's always just about loving people in that way. So for you, which is it? I have questions for you right now. How has the yeast of the kingdom of God internally changed you? Remember, I let people borrow my stuff now. I actually know I'm supposed to forgive and I work on that. I see myself as okay as a slight man, okay? How has it changed you? How has it changed you? That's proof that the yeast is working. Jesus is the key to that. And then what do you need more of? If you go back to the previous slide, I think we need more truth in to push out the lies of the earth. I think we need more of asking the Holy Spirit to stir the yeast in us because it's kind of dead in us. I think we need other people that we're honest with about how we're not living out kingdom ways and how we are living our kingdom ways. I think we just need to flat out confess more. My yeast stinks. It's leaven. And I'm flat. And you confess that. And then I think we need crazy little tricks called centering prayer where we sometimes ask God, God, give me a verse, give me a song, give me a color, give me a person that just brings me back to center. Right now I'm using five words and a ladder that I imagine in my head where when I'm way offline, I try to bring back into my head the visual of a ladder in five words, grace, remain, peace, courage for his glory. I, I imagine that letter, and that is like climbing my way back to, all right, God, I'm back. I was lost. Now, here we are again. It's, I'm with, God, you're with me, right? Yeah. Okay. And uh, it's about loving people, right? I need that. I need that. What do you need to do? That's my question for you. What do you need to work through your dough to help you rise more and more? I want to introduce you to Avisha, who's going to close us out today by sharing how she has seen um, the yeast and the seed play out. What you don't know is about Avisha is that she is actually a missionary part-time. She is actually a tent maker, the Bible will call her. By day, she owns a restaurant. It's an awesome restaurant. I've been there. And, um, uh, and her husband has a couple other entrepreneurial endeavors. You see him up in a picture. But by day also, they oversee Malawi Children's Mission. That it's in Malawi. It's not an island in Hawaii. Malawi, people get that confused. And... Um, Malawi is a country in Africa, and Avisha is a great story. Avisha was a kid who was in high school here, attending church here, and then Avisha went to college, and then Avisha came and was an intern, and she's way grown up since that now, and she fell in love with Ken and didn't date him during the program because that wasn't allowed, I think, and the reality is they fell in love, and Ken was a Malawian who had a vision to go back, and he had this seed that he felt he needed to plant and you'll see the next picture amongst three Muslim tribes called Malawi Children's Mission. And tell us what that seed has done in 11 years externally. Hi, everyone. It's good to be back, as always. Um, God planted a desire, a vision for Ken um, to come alongside his people in Malawi and support the orphans there, orphans who don't have parents, who don't have basic needs like education, food, water, hygiene, medical care. Um, and most importantly, they didn't know who Jesus was. And so it's been great to see in 11 years how his vision has come um, 
and been, we've been partnered with you guys and so many other people across the world. We started with 50 children, feeding them once a week. And now we feed 150 children uh, five days a week. Mm. We've built a full-fledged primary school, um, which is kindergarten through sixth grade. And we serve um, them and other children that have also started coming to the school. We have a medical center there. We've been able to support our community. As you can see, we like donate um, maize, which is their staple food, um, to all of the guardians and families um, of our children. Mm -hmm. So um, something that started off really small, we've seen it grow um, and make a huge p impact, not only with our children, but um, with their guardians as well. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Talk about the three people in the next slide, I think it is, so and the impact, how you've seen the seed of education do an amazing thing. So what's amazing is um, these three children that you see, they've been selected by government to go to university in Malawi, and that's a pretty big deal. Um, so to see them for 11 years just grow and be part of the program and have faith um, in us, as well as the program to be able then to have an education university is a big deal. Two of the girls know Jesus. Um, Fortune is a Muslim. Um, but just to see their faith increase over the years and just have these lovely smiles on their faces to know of their next part of their life mm -hmm. is pretty cool. And the background goes like this. Three Muslim tribes in a very rural, rural area that don't have clean water these are some of the kids that help. The teacher ratio in the local schools, one teacher to 100 to 150 kids, okay? Starts off as a tutoring program and a feeding one day a week, blossom into this community impact program, powerful. The yeast, that's the seed. Talk about how you've seen yeast enter into the child and change them. Well, now we can say that over 70 children have accepted Jesus and have a personal relationship with them out of our 150 children. Mm -hmm. We've been able to distribute over 200 Bibles. We've been able to plant a church on site um, that our children and community go to. Um, we have a young women's initiative program um, that we are able to disciple 38 of our girls uh, every day and just see mm -hmm. how God's changing mm -hmm. their lives. We've been able to see that also come into the community and see how the guardians have seen seen behavioral change in their children. And just to be part of that testimony is really exciting. This picture sums it up for me. We're wanting individuals there, whether they're children or adults, to understand their lives in the reflection of the kingdom of God. And it's beautiful how it's being done. Can we thank Avisha? I want you to hear this quote about the seed of Christianity by J.M. Roberts. We could none of us today be what we are if a handful of Jews nearly 2,000 years ago had not believed that they had known a great teacher, seen him crucified, dead and buried, and then rise again. The seed has changed everything. So I hope you leave today with the wrestle of there's this kingdom on earth. Just like it says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There's this kingdom on earth that God wants us to live into, but it's the kingdom of heaven.
and our challenges that we often play earth. I want to leave you with this prayer. Maybe it'll be useful to you. Rise up in me and expand your kingdom through me for your glory. Rise up in me and expand your kingdom through me for your glory. What if this is the prayer you take wherever you go? Or is it those two questions? What will you take with you? Let's pause and let's pray. Put your hands out if you're willing to be open to the kingdom of God more and more in your life. I'm gonna first allow people to receive the yeast of Christ. Lord, there's some in here wrestling with whether there's a kingdom and whether Jesus, you are real and you truly died and were crucified. Lord, for those, if they're ready, uh, may they just receive it this simply. Jesus, come into my life and be the yeast of the kingdom. Jesus, come into my life and be the yeast of the kingdom. Say that prayer to yourself, to God, actually, if you need to. Jesus, come into my life and be the yeast of the kingdom. If you pray that today, make sure you let somebody know so they can walk with you. And then for those who have experienced the kingdom of God and know it, uh, Lord, I ask for those that are out here that we would be more uh, seed planters and more open to your yeast stirring us more and more. So Lord, bless our folks today and myself with eyes to see and ears to hear and bless them with a boldness to go forward and bring forth your kingdom in only the places they could. And then Lord, may you get the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for listening to the Peninsula Covenant Church podcast. We believe you're here for a reason, and we would love to connect with you more. Our campuses are located in Redwood City, California. You can find us online at wearepcc.com and on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just search for We Are PCC.